Hey everyone, welcome to Ultimate Awesomeness Podcast. I'm here with I'm here with Eric. They got me. <laughs> little jumpy. <laughs> and this I'm Steven. Sorry, I Oh, okay. <laughs> I guess that's fine. <laughs> All right. Oh, okay. It's been a nice night. Oh, that's good. <laughs> That's fun. Anyway, yeah. I'm Eric. Yeah, I'm Steven. Um, so yeah, and I get, I guess I'll just start rolling. Um, what were we gonna start with? Um... With um, these um, Disney talking. About, I mean, Disney buying Fox. That's what. Yeah, it's been a big talk of the week. Um, as of last week, and um, I think it was Thursday they uh, officially yeah. announcing that. Yeah, they are in the final talk to do it, so it's gonna be official. Yeah, it's a lot of. Yeah, I've heard things about it. They said they are officially moving towards um, putting X Men, Deadpool, and Fantastic Four into the MCU. Mm-hmm. And I heard some things with Kevin Feige. Um, he's saying that he wants to scrap X Men, like restart it, mm-hmm. and just keep Deadpool. Yeah. Yeah, I can see the positivity. You see, that's the thing. Out of everyone in the X Men line, Deadpool's the only one that makes sense that he can like cross between the two. Um, it's unfortunate for all the actors who thought they were going to have all these long-term, group, like kind of contracts with Fox for their X Men roles, um, but that are now probably not going to be honored. But um, at the same time, a lot of people are. Off. I guess I've heard people are happy that uh, what's her name, Sansa Stark, is not going to be in uh, any more X Men movies because I guess she's the weakest link. She goes, but I don't know. I've not seen the. I didn't see Apocalypse, and I didn't see. Yeah, I didn't see Apocalypse either. I've yet to see Apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wanted to. I just never got a chance to, and. Um, my interest kind of waned over. Oh. I only watched First Class because um, Michael Fassbender was in it and James McAvoy because I love those guys. Yeah. And then I watched Days of Future Past because of the continuation of them uh, in their involvement. But uh, was uh, at First Class was those things better? Yeah, I still like First Class a lot. Um. Well, it was, it was different. It was a different director, or I guess writer. Uh, it was uh, Matt Vong. I think that's why it was sort of different. And uh, I thought it was, I I thought um, Days of Future Past was decent. I guess. Yeah, I, mean, I, I liked it. Um, I liked it. But it's, it's one of those things that... It's a very flawed movie, to be honest. It's a fun movie, but it's just one of those... I mean flawed. I said flawed. Okay. 
Okay. Um, but no, what I, I was thinking about crazy speech class, I did enjoy it, and that's probably, but my I did enjoy it less in first class, and I think that is why I was excited for Apocalypse. But part of that as well was I love Matthew Vaughn's vision for X Men in first class, and there was a definite um, tonal shift when Brian Singer took over. Yeah, there was. That's why I didn't like what he did with it either. And Brian Singer. He's one of those directors that is like a lot of business, a great director, and I've noticed over time that like his only really good movies are The Usual Suspects and the first two X-Men movies. And I mean, Superman Returns is also pretty decent, but it has its own flaws in it. Mm, it's alright. <laughs> yeah. A lot, of the, a lot of the things people complain about with um, Man of Steel, I feel like he's present in Superman Returns where it's a bit more brooding. Um... A, a Superman compared to Man of Steel or the previous uh, Christopher Reeves, but like, I just feel like he moves in a kind of cynical mindset when it comes to uh, his superhero movies, and I don't know why that is. Um, and that's what I get from my memory of David Speak the Past. I haven't seen it since I saw it the first time, but I remember enjoying it, but not having as much fun with it as I did with first class because first class was just, like had so many elements to it that was both fun dark um great action sequences and a real nice morality tale between mystique magneto uh and then charles where of, of what is the true you know what is the true good or somewhere in the middle um so i just had no interest in anything after that after he kind of just like made it just a bit more mm-hmm. like a big action piece there's no heart to it there's no good humor to um this future cast there's no levity it just kind of beats you over the head with um dire circumstances yes that's yeah. what it seems like that's what it looks like that's what happened you're right I agree with that so I haven't seen Apocalypse, so I don't know much about like uh, the younger kids playing the younger versions of like Cyclops, Jean Grey, and all that stuff. Um, but I, I am curious about this, the new Phoenix movie. See if it's good at all. But I also don't have a lot of hope for it. Yeah. It feels like they're rushing into it and not earning earning it, and that's the thing I have a problem with a lot of um, the superhero blockbusters is that there's a problem with earning a lot of character moments. Yeah, they definitely do rush them a lot. I've noticed that lately. Marvel wasn't doing that at first, but now he's starting to do that too. I just here and there, I feel like uh, certain movies do in the current current arc, like Captain America. I feel like just like earns a lot of his next levels. Iron Man earns a lot of his next level. I feel like Thor finally earned his next kind of level, as opposed to previous movies where he just like he wins, but it never feels like he learns anything from
you kind of have to compress into a simple, like a uh, easy to digest origin movie. But yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, but that, that, that's the uh, fucking thing. Going back to what we we're first talking about, yeah, bad things for um, Disney buying Fox, you know, and I'm. Um, Seeing the X Men fold into the regular Marvel universe, I'm not super excited about. It, except Deadpool, really. Yeah, I I don't know what they could, I I don't know how they could fit Deadpool into MCU. I can I think I can see it, but I'm not perfect. I don't have perfect ideas for that. I mean, like I don't know how exactly it would fit, but it's a couple ways with that. One, um, see, here's the thing: Deadpool is a character that we understand as being a very meta character that he can make references to this thing and everyone just looks at him crazy no matter what it doesn't matter because people are always looking at him like he's like an idiot because that's just his character because he's smarter than anyone perceives him to be he's always smarter and faster than anyone yeah I agree with that he comes off as an idiot because of that and um that works within the confines of like merging the companies and and uh throwing him into the Marvel Universe. And when it comes to his vulgarity, um, there's many ways that they can go around that, too. Because, one, either he's going to be like, oh, I can't say that. I should... Oh, you know what? I'll just... Live it. Or even he has, like, a thing where maybe, yeah, he can... He starts sens- being censored by his... with his language. And when he's... in other people's movies, I mean, though. Because when... when he's... I'm, I, as far as... I think they said in the same kind of press releases that um, his solo movies will still be radar and just as violent and um, vulgar as they have been. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you read the same thing. Or not, so. Yeah, um, it's, it's just, um, because I heard, I don't know, I just read that, I read it somewhere, I forgot where, but I heard that Kevin Foggy just wants to keep Deadpool and he wants to scrap everything else. So... Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. You know, as we said, um, there's a lot of, as we said before this, in, I guess, private, I don't know if we recorded in previous podcasts, but um, the MCU, I mean, the X-Men universe, movie universe, and in general, the X-Men are too complicated a uh, character group mm-hmm. to, to properly fold into um, the main Marvel universe, especially in this context, so they're going to have you know what it's so many things I'm, I'm also just thinking right now they've never had mutants before and been able to say mutants and now all of a sudden mutants are, mutants are going to exist so that's going to be weird um, <laughs> I wonder if the second act of Infinity War is now being changed currently to reflect sort of a you remember you read Secret Wars right um not the not the old one no I don't you read the current one. Oh yeah yes I did read the current one yeah the one with Jonathan Hickman? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if they're in, in the second part of the Infinity Wars thing, they're going to do like a Secret Wars thing and, you know, do the incursions and then cause the whole universe to kind of implode and that way they can restart with the X-Men stuff. And probably that's their cue to recast some of the older characters like Iron Man to make them younger or something so that they can keep this character going for a lot longer. Yeah. I was thinking another thing was that uh, they might, I think we they might, I don't know, I guess they could just do like, use a reality gem 
to... Yeah, maybe my boyfriend was discussing this. Uh, we was thinking that we they can use reality gem or Scarlet Witch finds out she has her reality powers and they can uh, recreate the universe as like a reboot, like a fresh reboot, like saying like how the mutants and X Men were always there, and then they can use the X Men movies to introduce them, like something like that, like a a fresh like. Not a complete reboot, but like a, a sort of a reboot. Like, there's the same universe, but just the X-Men were always there. And all the Fantastic Four. What I'm interested in is also, like, are they going to make Scarlet Witch now this, the daughter of Magneto? Or are they going to bring Quicksilver back in this whole situation? And, and if they bring Quicksilver back, are they going to bring the Avengers version? Or are they going to bring the more popular... Uh, X-Men movie version by Evan Peters I'm, I, there's a lot of things with it and even then they might not do any of that they might just kind of like finagle their way into it that's why I feel like everyone being excited for finally the X-Men are going to fight alongside the, the Avengers I've never been excited for that because even in comic books it's ridiculous to make because it's too many characters oh um, <laughs> well I did like I did like I did like Avengers vs. X-Men, but I don't think that's going to happen right now. I mean... Oh, yeah. No, for sure not. No. Um, <laughs> for sure. It's just more because to me... People are already jumping ahead. Like, I've seen articles about uh, Avengers vs. X-Men the theories, and I'm like, you guys are jumping way yeah. too much into that. Well, I'm not saying that because I've not read that story. <laughs> it's more just the general sense of, like, event for the X-Men are such a it's just a unique concept within the Marvel Universe uh, and widespreading one that it complicates the existence of everything else to me because it, it works better as its own kind of independent storyline with its own in its own world like if X-Men was its own comic book company line like Valiant or something um, and it was all just kind of about a mutant comic book company it makes more sense to me as opposed to a a universe that involves the mutants and then also these metahumans that exist. I mean, metahumans existing in the same world as mutants doesn't bother me. It just speaks how the Avengers are respected, but the X-Men aren't sort of thing. But I mean, I'm reiterating what many people say about that. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's your own personal feelings about the... Well, I had those feelings too. I get tired of the X-Men being hated. Yeah. At this point, they should be I know. <laughs> but I think they're going to still do that since it's the beginning of the X-Men. Because I don't, I don't even notice, but the humans already hate Inhumans. And in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they do that a lot. Like, the humans feel different about it in humans. Yeah, I've noticed that from what little I've read of uh, different Inhumans. Um usually from Miss Marvel titles to the that everyone's on uh, Miss Marvel issues. Um, and it's, it's overall just... It's weird. It makes more sense with Inhumans because they're... they're it's like... It's, it makes sense to me like how people can hate within the universe. Like, say, Atlanteans or at least... Uh, oh. Or in the DC universe, how people can be afraid of Aquaman and the Atlanteans because they're their own hidden society, and Inhumans are their own kind of 
secret society. It's not hidden, but it's secret because of its its ways and whatnot. So they can't completely trust that. X-Men has that a little bit too, and I can see where that comes from, but like it's also like anyone can be a mutant. Um, mm. But it's it's still different because when you when you're an inhuman you're found by the the um the the other inhuman royals and they find you and they help train you. And they kind of take you away from normal society. And yeah, I noticed they was doing that. And yeah, I mean, then... that's my little limited knowledge. That makes more sense to me as to why um, people don't like it. Oh. Um, yeah, and that's... Um... But you read more Marvel than I do, so... Oh, okay, that's what it is. <laughs> Marvel than I do as far as I can tell. Like, I wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't sure if you, who reads more. I didn't look into that. <laughs> no, no, it's just more because, like, I, I kind of look to you for some of those, like, actual history knowledge. Yeah, I do have history knowledge on Marvel. Especially with X-Men, because you're currently reading a lot of the X-Men titles, I'm not. Oh, okay. Like, you were telling me about the recent Jean Grey issue, and you said, did you read it? I didn't read it, I just know about the twist. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I've seen the panel and everything, and I was reading it. On, oh. Someone posted on Reddit, I was like, wow, that's really messed up and crazy, and what does this mean for the rest? But I didn't know the context, because I didn't. I haven't been reading any action stuff. Oh. So. Uh, okay, I guess we could just go back on topic and try to finish it off. Um, I don't know, but... uh. I I really hope I'm I'm really glad that this already happened with Disney, and uh, I just remain hopeful that you know things will go well with uh, and with oh, yeah. the entire X Men and Fantastic Four and Deadpool into the MCU. I mean, yeah. I just don't know. What's, I don't know. What's, I don't. I'm happy, but I don't know how I'm gonna feel about it until I see it. Yeah. And I just don't. <laughs> it's just that it's kind of crazy how, you know, Kevin Feige wants to scrap everything the X Men has done, and it's like there's already a X Men Dark Phoenix movie, and mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. there's New Mutants, and then they yeah. they have the X Men Gifted show, and they have Legion. It's just yeah. <laughs> it's just that's all gonna be gone, I guess. <laughs> I'm curious. Yeah, it's true. Huh? Legion is considered one of the best new series of the year. Uh, I'm really not liking it so far. I mean, that's just. Yeah, I guess. I, seen it myself, I, I saw it. it. I didn't like Legion because um, it just didn't use um, Legion's actual powers. It made it to Professor X. Right. Right. And, and it's just not. Yeah, he's he's a son, but they don't have the same exact powers. Because they took out his, things, yeah. yeah, they took out his multiple personality disorder, and I think that's was kind of important to Legion, to, and to get rid of that, just change his character completely. And they took it. Oh, they took it out. Is it what? What did they do instead? Because it, from my perception of the show, it seems like it still deals with mental illness overall. Yeah, I mean, like they did, they did make it seem like he was crazy, but like he. 
they make him seem like oh it's just his mutant powers that people feel that he was crazy about but it wasn't he's not crazy he just has a it's like um I'll, I'll just see if I can explain it better um because um he thought he was schizophrenic but then um he finds out that he just has mutant powers that he can hear things Mm. And totally, like, yeah, and like it's not he's crazy. He's hearing other people's voices because he literally is hearing other people's voices. Yeah, because he is actually hearing other people's voices. That's what they made it seem like. Instead of him, it's so he finds out he has telepathy and telekinesis, and I'm like, no, that's not his powers. So stop. <laughs> and right, right. they got rid of the multi-personality disorder. It's not schizophrenia. It's actually multi-personality disorder. He has not. So they just mix it up with that. Huh. Yeah, see, it's one of those things I don't know much about Legion other than small snippets like that. So. Yeah. I, I, I guess it's popular for more of the people that aren't and, like, don't know Legion as well, and they just like a good show that, you know, deals with the, the story that it does deal with. But for those who are fans of it, can be frustrating because it gets a lot wrong. Yeah, they do get a lot wrong. That might be good for you because maybe they'll do now they'll do a proper Legion series that says his character right or introduce him into the movies. Yeah, I just gifted. I haven't watched Gifted, but it's only if it's only had like a one. It's only the beginning of its first season and just to scrap it, it's kind of yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely forgot about the TV shows that have been in development because it felt like Fox was really trying hard to build off the X-Men as their Marvel thing, and um, now that's just kind of like, to some degree, that way. But um, I guess we'll see. I mean, maybe they will try to keep some of some of it, because, I mean, they were critically lauded, at least Legion was, and, um, you know, that's got to count for something for them, that they'll want to keep that, because fans will want to keep seeing it. Yeah. I'll see what they can do. That, that's a lot. I just realized that I, I didn't. I forgot about the shows because I didn't. I hadn't. I forgot about them. So that's that's actually very interesting. I, New Mutants. I was curious about more than anything because they're really hyping that up for the upcoming year. That and the Phoenix movie. So what do they do with those? I don't know. Seems like they're not gonna do anything because Marvel. I mean, yeah, Marvel wants to scrap it all and just keep I mean, Deadpool. Release them because, so they can yeah, yeah, they're gonna release because they said that the the that Disney. Um, um, I guess Disney acquisition of Fox is not put into place until 18 months. Okay, that gives them time at least. Yeah, because I think they still have to go through papers and stuff. And well, okay, so they probably won't even see any of the, the, like the fruits of it for another. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure, but I'm sure it's going to happen because. They, can, they know they can get away with it any way and they can use certain elements to build storylines that's going to build into the next phase um, without worry about like repercussions because they know that they're going to get everything anyway so. yeah it's just sorry it's just taking time to uh, I guess get everything in order so it takes I guess they say 12 to 18 months to get that process so 
Deadpool 2 and X-Men Dark Phoenix and New Mutants, they said they, those three movies will still be released. Anything after that might be scrapped. <laughs> Yeah, people are afraid the Gambit movies will be completely scrapped. And um people are also afraid about the X two three spinoff. <laughs> yeah. They said oh, they'll probably be scrapped too. Huh? Oh yeah, because of Logan right. Yeah, they was planning to do that. There was no official title or anything, just the X two three spinoff. And they just... Do you know if it was going to involve her growing up or just following that character? It was, gonna be, it was, just, it was her being a new team called... It's like the new X-Men characters. Um, I don't know if you remember... There's a team called New X-Men like in the 90s, I think. It had X-23. And it had a whole bunch of new mutants. Huh? Oh, New X-Men. That was the beginning of... Um... 2000s, that was the Grant Morrison series with Sword. Yeah, I think it was something like that. It was like yeah, I know about that. It had like a bunch of teenagers, like Prodigy, Surge, and it had X23 in there too. So I think they were taking that as inspiration to make a movie out right. of. I mean, that would have been cool. I mean, I, I, I hope they can utilize that girl somehow because I feel like she was a great, you know, I mean, at this point, they can reintroduce her as the same actress to yeah. one way or the other and enable her into the current comic. It's so many things because it's comic book stuff, it's time travel stuff, it's going to be. <laughs> yeah, just. Multiple universe kind of stuff. Because I heard, um, I also heard that, um, Disney and Marvel wants to use, uh, they want to make a Wolverine, a new Wolverine movie, but they can't. They yeah. Hugh Jackman said that he's done, so he doesn't want to. Yeah, he's done. For sure. <laughs> he said he does not want to do any more movies, superhero movies. He's yeah, it's kind of too late for him to, because he wanted to do the whole fighting with the Avengers, but after Logan, he said he's done. Yeah, that was before Logan that he said that, and now yeah, that was the time to buy it. Now. Yeah, now it's too late. He doesn't. He feels different. <laughs> yeah, like, ah, I would love to, but at the same time, you know what? I can't just send off. I can't disrespect that. Um, yeah. Especially because he's not going to do. He's not going to play Wolverine for another. Yeah, no. At that point, because then he would. If he signs on again, he knows that he's going to be Wolverine for another ten to fifteen years. Yeah, I don't think he's ready to do with that. Yeah, and that's too much. Too much eating raw chicken and. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good description. <laughs> yeah, but um, I think that the, the the most important thing when it comes to when it comes to the positives of acquisition of uh, the rights of certain characters, the Fantastic Four and the Cosmic Marvel Universe will be a lot more rounded and just more fun to me because um, the first family of Marvel Fantastic Four will not be able to be involved in the main Marvel universe and Doctor Doom and and all that other stuff um, it, it's gonna it's gonna be more true to the comics maybe because they can have all those rights back and they can not pussyfoot around like how they're gonna explain using this character or that character yeah, yeah. so those are those are the positives for me because um, certain characters just feel like in limbo of being a well thought out character because they're losing an essential aspect of them because they're 
those things that they cannot mention are owned by Fox now. They can freely use them, hopefully. Ooh, Galactic Silver Surfer. Oh my god, they're all. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> That's why I'm kind of excited. I'm happy that, you know, this actually happened and. We get to hopefully, huh? No, just like I just kind of wish they bought it earlier because they probably could have. Because I don't remember that Doctor Doom was also part of um, Infinity War. Oh, I mean, like the Infinity Gauntlet or the actual? I think it's Infinity Gauntlet. I'm not. I'm not sure which one it was, but I remember Doctor Doom was a big part of it. And it's just. I think he wasn't in, in the Gauntlet one. I'm not 100% accurate to reread that book. Um, he's involved in a lot of cosmic Marvel one way or the other. So. Yeah, so it's just. I guess they're going to have to leave him for another phase <laughs> or something yeah. like that. So it's just cool it's that cool. they can have Doctor Doom finally. And he's involved with Doctor Strange because they're both magic users and they can expand upon the, the magic in the Marvel Universe and there's so much cool magic stuff in the Marvel Universe. So, I don't, I don't know. There's a lot of good stuff. Yeah, it's some... <laughs> yeah, and I just want to see the Fantastic Four do well this time around. Yeah. Because the previous Fantastic War the previous Fantastic Four movies aren't that great. Yeah, I like the first one with the Evans and, and everyone, just Galva, even though I hate just Galva. But, <laughs> uh, She's alright to me. I did enjoy it. She's a really bad actress, so I just have never liked her anything, and she almost ruined Sin City for me, actually, so. Oh. Um, I know, I, 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 I like the first Sin City, but not the second one. It's, uh... Yeah, it's really but bad. She, she almost ruins the first one. Uh, her acting is just so bad. Oh. But, um, despite that, I do still like the first Fantastic Four movie. And what little I've seen the second one was fun. But that's mostly because I just love seeing the Silver Surfer, like, going around. That was cool. Yeah. Story black. But um, the, the, the one that came out recently was really bad. Oh, yeah. I saw, I saw the... I saw the, the the old Fantastic Four when I was a kid, so I was in. I mean, I think I was a teenager, yeah, and I was enjoying them. But when I grew up, I I when I became an adult and I saw little clips of the old Fantastic Four movies, and it's like, oh god, it's so dated. And the cheesy dancing scene was like throw me off <laughs> yeah. with Thing and Fantastic Four. It's like really bad, and then. Uh, Thing that really works is uh, Johnny and Ben. Yeah, they were the only two good, and I think they were the um, the new, the, the latest Fantastic Four movie. It wasn't that good either. I mean, like the only thing I liked was Michael B. Jordan as Human Torch. I think. Yeah, I didn't see the whole movie, but I did see that. I liked him as Torch. I did actually like um, uh, what's his name as as Mr. Fantastic a little bit. But it's one of the, the. It's also the problem of making these characters as young as they were. Um, I felt. Well, they was trying to take it from the Ultimate Universe, because the Ultimate Universe they were actually younger. Oh really? I haven't seen it. Yeah. The Ultimate comic books. Yeah, the Ultimate Universe comic books. But that's interesting because they can still keep that actor 
if they kind of do like a multiverse thing and they do the Secret Wars thing and then they can make the Maker to some degree. Oh yeah, I would love that. <laughs> the maker is awesome. Yeah, I like that fantasy. I like the evil reverters. He's he's great. I, I want to read the whole thing so I can get that content. The concept of it sounds so cool. I mean, it would be another thing where if they introduce a Fantastic Four movie and then hit Doctor Doom, but then they also introduce the maker at some point, then people are going to be like, oh, they always make the villain just the polar opposite of the main character. But ultimately, uh, the maker is just such a really neat antithesis to the main character. Uh, I like must be reverse flat, uh, he of our thong, even though they like um, the main character. Yeah. We'll see how that works out. Um, yeah. But yeah, Marvel by Disney buys Fox. Uh, that really exciting for Marvel fans and other things like that but it's also scary because it's a big conglomerate owning yeah. share of the overall market that's weird but. and people are afraid they're not gonna make anything with um, Fox's franchises like uh, <coughs> like um, what is it uh, Alien or Predator Oh, well, that's ridiculous. People thought, like, like, Disney's gonna... And I'm like, why Why would Disney buy Fox if they're not gonna do anything with their properties? It's a business. They're gonna do things with it. They know that people don't realize that Disney owns or owns Miramax at the time when Miramax... Yeah, they did own Miramax. I remember when I realized that Disney wasn't just Disney, and that movie companies weren't just that movie company that you know of. Some of them own other smaller movie companies. And I think it was a Conan O'Brien bit where they were making fun of how much blood was in Kill Bill. And they showed, like, this is owned by Disney. And I was like, is it? And I looked into it. Disney owns Miramax. And they, yeah, they're not going to just stifle You know what else? No, that, never, I was going to say that, that I found out a few days ago that, that Disney owns Pulp Fiction because... <laughs> It's, it's a Miramax film too but they, exactly. that movie was made before it got brought people's whole perception of that is that like the, the, the neat thing for Disney is that they by owning another movie studio is that they get that money they get the profits now yeah they just get more money why wouldn't a company make more money in the end <laughs> they, they small leg of the largest studio of Disney and they just let Fox do what they want to do but they will give some creative control so that maybe Fox will be a better run studio because it, that's another thing that people don't realize is that Fox has, you know, has for the last 10 or 15 years been known as the studio that releases shit movies. Yeah, they have been just lately. Pop them out so that, like, they're, they're the ones that took the movie Taken. Taken was a European-made movie. That if you watch a European movie, a European cut of Taken, you're watching a movie that's more violent, more explicit with its um, with the intentions of villains, and and a lot longer movie. Fox buys the rights to that movie, brings it to America, and because they're like, well, Americans are too stupid to understand, and too afraid of rape and murder, so we're gonna censor a lot of it, mix, darken a few of these scenes, edit it so it's not as violent, and. Edited so that there's certain mentions of certain things are not going to be in it. 
And you did this all the time. I remember when I found out, I realized that possibly making movies to be easier to digest to an idiotic level and sanitize. Like, people are afraid, are afraid of Disney sanitizing movies. Fox always sanitizes movies that they buy from other companies and in other countries. Um, they, because they think that the general audience is too dumb and sensitive to handle what um, they hope to bring to you, to you in the blockbuster. Mm. There's so many movies that could have been better. Like I remember following the production of several movies around the around the 2009 that I was I was reading about them where Fox was like, well, actually, we're gonna release this movie and they released trailers and it looks awesome, and then you find out after the movie's released and it was a critical failure that the director was like, well, Fox edited my movie down to to nothing and I didn't really get to make the movie I wanted. Uh, I forget the name of the movie, but the there's an act, a French director who's also an actor who made, I, just like, I forget what it's called, like AE, it's like Titan AE, but not that. No, oh, I don't know what you're talking about, to be honest. I can't help you. <laughs> it wasn't an animated movie, it was another movie from like 2009. He was talking about how he made this movie and he made it how he wanted to. But when it came to the editing stage, Fox noted it to death and edited it themselves without his permission. And it was his dream project, and then it was released, and it was a critical, fa- a critical and financial failure. Yeah. Because they didn't think the audience could handle or understand what he was trying to do, so they wanted to make it easily digestible. And that's what they do all the time. As much as Disney, like, will you know, do that too, but they only do that with their larger properties. Anything outside of that, they let the director run wild. They trust that, and it's not going to lose them a lot of money anyway because it doesn't cost too much. Yeah, and um, I noticed the um, writers have uh, or directors had issues with the X Men movies. Like, it said that the X the the Fox always mess with their ideas, and they hated that. It was like, um, I think uh, because I remember. Max Landis said that he he they kind of ruined what they um, it was Fox's fault that Fantastic Four became so bad because what he wanted was different and Fox you know was putting their ideas into his into his um, movie and it turned out the movie came out as something that he didn't want but is what Fox wanted. And, um, oh, yeah. well, I don't think his script is the one that was ultimately used, but his friend who was the director of Chronicle that they worked on together directed it. And that's another thing is they just kind of hired a director that had no real experience to do this big movie. And then they took it from him when he was being a bit more volatile and, and stuff. He was kind of apparently an asshole. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I've seen Max Landis in, in like YouTube, and I don't think his personality is all that. Nice. No, 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 it wasn't him. It's Josh, Josh Trank is the one that directed Fantastic Four and it was like fired and then replaced for the reshoots of Fantastic Four. Max Landis is just, he can be a bit of a, a an asshole to a lot of people, but he's actually quite introspective and he's, his opinions on movies and story is actually pretty good. It's just, people don't like to hear the way he says it and he just... Yeah, you, know, you may not always be right, but he has a good sense of story. Yeah, I like his chronicle. I like the chronicle movie. I did like that one. And 
And if you, some of his um, an, an analysis of, uh, of other movies is actually pretty on point. You may not agree with it because you, you liked it more than he did, but at the same time, his, his, his ideas on structure and whatnot is balanced. It's just that he comes off the animal about it. Yeah, and um, if, if anyone who has listened to this now hasn't seen his uh, Death and Return of Superman series or his Wrestling Isn't Wrestling series, those are excellent and a great type uh, look into how his mind works, um, story, and how he perceives story, and um, and and how fun it is to build a character. So, um, anyway, go on. Yeah, um, I heard Brian Singer say he has some problems too with um, Fox. That yeah, they they actually do try to put their ideas into people's movies. And I think they had they they I think they also did that to Scott Ripley with the Alien movies like really Alien, Prometheus and Alien Covenant. Because I remember uh, there there was and at the Alien Covenant didn't do so well. They spoke to Scott Ripley. I mean Ripley and um. They asked him why the movie wasn't so great, and he said that one of the reasons is because Fox tried to put the ideas into his movies, and it didn't turn out so well. Yeah. yeah. So and that's the thing. I don't. I think Disney is gonna gonna tool with Fox Studios as a whole and put different people in charge and whatnot for this and that. But I think that's a good thing because to me, the most the last few presidents of Fox. Their philosophy is make something easy to digest that'll sell easy and make as much money and as possible for cheap. Um, the yeah. only risk they've taken has been in certain other studio, certain aspects of their their business, and um, I think someone else needed to be in charge. And this might, as much as I don't like the idea of Disney owning so much, I think Disney is a better option for them to be a more creative place to make movies. Uh, Deadpool's going to be fine, everybody. Deadpool's going to be fun. Yeah, I think Deadpool will be fine. I don't think they're going to touch Deadpool. I mean, like... Disney's not stupid. <laughs> yeah, that's like the most money-made movie that Fox had. I mean... There wasn't... It's the highest rated... It's the highest R-rated movie, like, moneymaker. For it, it, it an R-rated movie to make as much as it did was crazy and they realize that it's the popularity of the character and the vulgarity of it helps it. You know, mm-hmm. Tony down will just lose ticket sales and they know that because they see mm-hmm. the results. Yeah. Even though I've seen people bring kids to see that pool, I saw it when I was watching it. I mean, I saw the same thing. I don't think it's going to ruin Fox like people think it is. I don't think they're going to ruin any of the properties Fox owns. And I think that um, any, I, I think anything involving the Marvel Universe with the X-Men character and Fantastic Four is going to be interesting to see. That we're not going to know if they ruin until it happens because it's such a unique situation that I'm excited to see where it goes because I'm always interested in how stories and movies and comic books and books and stuff like get said like this because things like this happen all the time when one company acquires another and takes certain elements and then decides you know to mold together i'm always curious about that that's why i like that's why i like the and i'm excited for things like doomsday clock 
for uh, uh, while like the idea of a crossover between like DC and Marvel because it's interesting. It's different. Yeah, I like that's what I like about these things. So I agree. And um. And I think, I think it's just like uh, like Disney do with Star Wars. They have a separate division, and they just let them do whatever they want. Yeah, exactly. So it's just the same thing with Fox. Marvel has their own separate division too. I mean, like, yeah. it's just things are be separate. And Pixar has their own division. To think about it. Yeah, Pixar's its own company. They only date the Pixar, and Pixar is still Pixar. Um, you can argue that Pixar is doing a lot more sequels lately, but that has that wasn't an immediate thing after um, Fox. I mean, after Disney acquired Pixar fully, that was just something that they started doing because they realized, oh, well, I want to do more stories with these characters. So they, yeah, and people wanted that too. So people get yeah, that. People wanted Finding for it. People wanted. Like I really, really am excited for Incredibles too. Yeah, I'm really excited for that. <laughs> I've been wanting that more than the other franchises, to be yeah, honest. That's probably my most anticipated movie of this upcoming year is The Incredibles 2. Yeah. Um, more than any of the Marvel movies and any other... Oh, well, just, to me, it's just Disney movies. I mean, like, the the other Pixar movies, like, like Toy Story, and I didn't really care about cars and... Yeah. Finding Nemo too. I mean, not Finding Dory, but whatever. Is a is a Finding Nemo That's sequel. I didn't see it yet. I never saw it. It's actually pretty good. That's the thing too. People think that just because it's a sequel that they're running out of a sequel can be good. Finding Dory is a good sequel. It's not as good as Finding Nemo, but it's still really good. I'm not a big fan of Finding Nemo because it kind of was played to death for me because my cousins played it all the time. But I, I do love oh. the story. <laughs> I did like the movie too, but it's like paid to death like Frozen. It gets a little yeah, exactly. tiring. I never saw Frozen either. <laughs> yeah, I did. And it, I liked it, but I think, like, I think it's a little overrated. But that's fine. Yeah. I think Tangled is better. But... Oh, I've never seen that either. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, honestly, Disney's going to let these movies these companies that work within their own rights they'll give some some input of course here and there because that's their property but it's still ultimately free reign for all these companies and they have more opportunities to and more money to to finance all these ventures so I'm excited for it and it's going to be cool maybe that means the next Star Wars movie like the Solo movie or the third uh, Star Wars 9 is going to have uh, the Fox fanfare at the beginning again that'll be cool Mm-hmm. Which like we can I guess we can lead that into, you know, we watch we both watch Star Wars this weekend, right? But, yeah, we both saw Star Wars, so I Yeah. I guess we could start talking about that. Is that fine? Yeah, that's fine, yeah. Uh so yeah, we gotta start talking about Marvel buying Fox. Quite a bit. I mean Disney buying Fox. Um Yeah, Disney buying Fox. But it, it's a big story. It's just, there's so much to think about with that, but yeah. I think we can move on to the last Jedi. Yeah, um, so we're going to talk about Star Wars The Last Jedi, so beware of spoilers, I guess. Quick review, quick review, what, is, what, is your, what was your, like, out of 10? Um, I would give it, like, uh, maybe, like, around 8 or 8.5 or... 
or nine, somewhere around there. I think I, I think I'm at about an eight, solid eight. Um, every once in a while, it goes up to an eight point five, but it's pretty solid at eight. Yeah. I just I just don't like giving things scores. <laughs> it gets so long. Well, I get it. I get it. But it's it's. I think a simple score system is always good to kind of like gauge where you like just be like, hey, this just means where I'm at on the scale. It doesn't mean. Yeah, because my mind always changes with that stuff. Yeah. That's why I, I, I guess like, like a out of five system. Like for me, I would give it a 3.5 out of five. Um, because it's, it's a good pop course. Like it was a lot of fun. I didn't grow up with Star Wars as much as a lot of my friends did. Um, but I've always loved the lore and the world of Star Wars. I've always loved the aesthetics, the music, and everything. It's one of those things that I'm uh, by osmosis a fan of as more than I am by being actually immersed in the world like a lot of people are. Yeah. Um, I'm a very big fan of Star Wars. I mean, I saw the original trilogy, I saw the prequel trilogy, and I've I've been enjoying the late, late, latest um, Star Wars movies, and um, right. I've read a couple of comic books too. I didn't read any of the Dark Horse books. I, I haven't got to that. Mm-hmm. Did you read like the original Marvel comic book? No, I haven't read those either. Um, yeah. I mean, I've read the current. I'm reading the current Star Wars. By Marvel. Yeah, I've read some of them. It's pretty good. I like some of them. I've, I've read... I've been reading Darth Vader, Star Wars, Dr. Afra. I've read... I've read the minis... I actually like it, yeah. And I've read the... Um, I've been reading... I've read the miniseries that they come every couple of months, so... I've been enjoying... I've been enjoying what Marvel's doing now. With the Star Wars comic books. Yeah, I think they're great, especially the artwork. The artwork in all of them is incredible. Yeah, they they managed to keep the artwork good in all of them. Yeah. And um, I did play a few Star Wars games like Knights of the Old Republic and the Old Republic, the the PC version. Yeah. Yeah, I've always wanted to play those. How my friend loved those games. Yeah. And but you're 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 definitely more, see, like right there. You're more immersed in it than I ever was. Oh, you know, the, like the, the novels. So I've never played the games. I've, ne- I've read some of the comic books. I've never read the extended universe novels uh, or the original comic books. I've just kind of watched the movies. Yeah, I never um, I never read any Dark Horse books. Um, and I've, I've read some Wikipedia. Oh, and I've I've. Watched Clone Wars and um, Rebels. I've been watching Rebels lately. I hear good things, but my friend. Yeah, Rebels is great. I like it. I like it more than Clone Wars, even though people think Clone Wars is better than Rebels. But I think the opposite. Yeah, I think overall it's supposed to be better than Rebels. I think what um, Rebels started becoming uh, more accepted after Rogue One because. They make references to Rogue One. Yeah, because it's supposed to be right Rebel before Rebel. Rogue One, apparently. Yeah. And I think that's where... You see the ship of the main Rebels in Rogue One. Yeah, and I think that uh, this is the final season. I think they're bridging the gap to um, Rebels and Rogue One. That's cool. I just... I just... It wasn't 
brought out as a prequel to Rogue One, but later on, like season three and four, is what people started thinking. Wow, this is actually a a prequel to Rogue One, and yeah. it looks that way. Like we didn't know that it was gonna be a prequel until the third season. Yeah. So. Yeah. So um, I'm pretty well. Yeah. I pretty much know more more about the universe, I guess. Yeah. To some degree, yeah. I mean, I will say, my friends back home in Arizona definitely know more than either of us. Oh. I I remember one. I have I had a a friend Frank. I remember once when we were a bunch of us were in his room because we were not allowed in his room. Oh. Uh, their shared apartment when he was on a trip, and I looked at his bookcase, and it was all Star Wars novels. That's my memory, but I always remember like all Star Wars, Star Trek, and Star Game there too. But like, I remember like a bunch of Star Wars and being like, "Wow, he, he, he knows this shit." And it's the same thing with my other friends because like they, they read a lot of the novels, at least the big ones, old comic books, and they they read Wikipedia, they researched all this stuff. Um, I, a lot of my friends are what are known as Mandalorian mercs, uh, which is like a, they they make their own armor. In the, in the style of the Mandalorians and uh, we're deep into that um, that lore so their opinions on the, the Last Jedi and the new trilogy in general are very unique to me because it comes oh. from a Star Wars fan centric mindset as opposed to me who's a Star Wars fan who's a fan because I love movies okay Alright. <laughs> and uh this thing I do enjoy the the two I do enjoy the new Star Wars movies more than the old ones. Really? That's a that's a unique opinion, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I think Force Awakens and uh Rogue One and uh Last Jedi are better than all the Star Wars movies that's been out. <laughs> really? Okay, that is very I still think um the original trilogy holds up a lot better in a lot of ways than the newer stuff. I do think, though, that Rogue One holds its own with the original trilogy a lot better than The Force Awakens um, and maybe The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi still is really good to me. I think it's it's, it's weird because The Force Awakens I love because it's, it's fun. It, it brings you back to being a, a kid watching Star Wars again. It, 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 it expands the universe a lot of ways and it builds the world better. I know a lot of people said there's like New Hope, but I didn't. I did see there was like New Hope, but I didn't feel way that hundred percent because the characters are more developed in in yeah in this in in Force Awakens. Yeah, they're they're more developed and the Empire is more of a threat than than before. Well, I wouldn't say they're more developed because I feel like Ray is still like a not a very developed character. Although um, Daisy really plays her really well. She's yeah, she did a good well. job in this one. But I think I think um, Finn and Kylo Ren are the only ones in the Force Awakens that have any real development or character mm-hmm. compared to like the original trilogy, where you get a lot of intrigue out of Han Solo. And Ben Kenobi, you get up, you get, you follow Luke through his journey, so you get a lot of character development with that. Leia is, you know, interesting, but you, you kind of get a sense of her immediately. She's, you know, she's used 
has like uh, is, is a lot of different things. So she's not as developed until the second and third movies to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everyone gets a lot of playing, but in the Force Awakens, it just feels like only Finn and Kylo really get any kind of real backstory, which is funny because in Last Jedi, I feel Finn is kind of put on the back burner this time, and it's more more focused on Kylo, uh, Rey, and Luke. Which is a really interesting, well done dynamic. Mhm. Yeah, and um, well, Finn was used a lot in this one, I think, but he had. He's there. If anything, but I don't know. <laughs> but uh, I mean, he had a, a like a whole adventure with Rose, the yeah the Asian character. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's true, but at the same time, I, I think it's, my problem with it is that as much as he's there, there's not as much, like, growth or anything to him. He just, he's, he's, I don't know, it's hard to explain because he's there a lot in the movie, but I don't. <laughs> I know what you mean, there wasn't much story about him. Yeah, I, what, what I get from the adventure between him and Rose was more Rose, and I like Rose a lot now because of that story yeah I do like Rose a lot she was an interesting character I actually did like what they did with her like you're introduced to her and you know you realize that she's wearing the same necklace as that girl that died as the the bomber in the beginning of the movie earlier in the movie and you're like oh this movie is this TV thing where like she's related to that person that we didn't care about who died and then you learn more about her and what she is what she's meaning and then you see how actually how much of a go-getter she is because she's just someone who cleans the pipes I think is what she said yeah she's she says she's just a person that cleans the pipes right yeah and then she um, and then she uh, stuns Finn because like I'm not letting any deserters go up through here because that's my job I'm here to watch that and she's like, no, I'm, I'm a no-nonsense person. And then she, like, then convinces her, like, hey, I'm trying to help. And she's like, well, I can solve this. And she has a solution and a plan because she understands things more. And she's smarter than they, they than you thought originally. And that was cool because, she, you know, you can believe that. That she's bigger than what she's presented as at birth because she's just a smart person. And she's given this opportunity. And she's, like, like she's very... Um, Interesting because uh, you, you get a sense of her, who she is, as you go along, new little things about her, and she's interesting, she's funny, she's, and her relationship with Finn is neat, but that's all that Finn gets in this movie, is kind of a relationship arc, but no real character arc, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I don't know why they do... <laughs> I don't know if you noticed they sneak the kiss in there for, like, no reason, and, like... Cause that was a bit weird, yeah. I wasn't expecting them to be in love. I was just expecting it as like a companionship. See, I can get this sense of love because she has a sense of reverence about him uh, when you first see her realize that it's fitting. Oh, but I thought that was like a fan thing. like. Yeah, but a fan thing, it, 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 it is true. It doesn't feel like it's a relationship to love thing because you feel like Finn and Ray are supposed to get it. But then it turns into the way it is. Yeah, it's her, like her last words before everything happens, where you think she's dead, are fine. It can end with her just passing out, but the kiss kind of is like that well, was unnecessary. But it's, I mean, we'll see how that plays out. But I didn't think that part was necessary. Everything else was cool, and she's an awesome character. I, I loved her. She's awesome. Yeah, Rose is 
awesome. I actually like that character. And I did like that she saved Finn's life. I mean, you know, Finn was like wondering, why did you do that? <laughs> yeah, it's still weird to me, but at the same time, I get it. Because, like, she doesn't want him to sacrifice himself. Yeah. For hopeless cause. Like, he's being stupid because he thinks he can do it, but I... Ultimately, he can't. He's, he's wasting his life, and she can see that. Yeah, I'm glad she actually she actually took the initiative to save his life. And because there's no guarantee he was going to do it. Yeah, it looked like he was. It looked like it was a sacrifice. Yeah. And a waste of sacrifice is nothing. So. Um, but yeah, the the she was a better part of his whole arc, and that's sad because he had a great arc in the first one. I felt. And the most they do with him is that he gets to fight Phasma, and she was also wasted too. So, yeah, I was kind of disappointed with Phasma because um, I've liked the um, the four issue uh, miniseries with Phasma, in by yeah, Marvel. Yeah, it was great. I they did flesh her out that the first Force Awakens didn't do. We got to yeah. know more about her and her past, and. They don't show any of that, and they don't show any of that in the movies. It just kind of disappoints me because then everybody's gonna be like, "It's a whole nother Boba Fett where Boba Fett is very well developed in comic books, but he's not developed in movies." Yeah, that's true. That's very true. And she, she and she's had two movies now where she has that. Yeah, it's so just like, oh, yeah, that she actually had a fight. <laughs> I love that fighting scene with um, Finn. Generally more like, like there's more to her performance that comes out like the, the ferocity and the, the the overall like how she just despises Finn for being a deserter uh, I don't know what it, it reminds me of something of, of like a character that whose whole mission is just to find this person that deserted the rest of them and because that's the worst crime if that makes sense but mm-hmm. I like that like I thought she was gonna live and maybe she did live because I thought yeah they let the they let their vague because it could be like I don't know. This, I I'm getting mind of freaking bubble fat again with the the yeah. quick sand, and you find out he didn't die from that. But um, yeah, right. I said it seems like they did the same thing <laughs> with with Phasma. They just threw her in the fire. In the third one, and, and then she ended up surviving. And they just do the same shit again with her. I will be so mad. I don't care how good the rest of the movie, but that will make me more mad. It's like Disney, just make a solo movie if you're gonna get to that point. <laughs> yeah, just do that. <laughs> like make a you, Captain Pasma movie about her past and just do it like you that. Like you like the design of the character. You love the character. It's a great actress too. It's like why not use her abilities? Yeah, she's doing great. Like I said, it's a body language kind of role to be unforgiving to a lot of people, but she does it well because she's intimidated. She's intimidating at first until she's easily swatted away. Although her fight in The Last Jedi was a lot better than the first one, where she she actually feels like a threat. Yeah, I know. They threw her in the dumpster in Force Awakens, and I was like, what the hell was that? (laughs) Yeah, it was like, come on. This one is a lot better. 
a lot more. So I'm, I'm, if you, they bring her back, I hope, I hope they give her something to do because that was really annoying. That was one of my few like huge annoyances with the Last Jedi. Um, but I feel like that's just because of what they had to work with her character from the last movie, and then everyone else's art. Like and I did like the Forge miniseries because they show that she's actually has a good side of herself. And right, yeah, was, uh, yes, I, I, I have the we have the the collected uh, edition at my LCS, so I can pick that up and I come in and just read it because I, I would like to read that. Yeah, the the Captain Phasma miniseries is is pretty awesome. You get to know about her past, the way who she is, and she does have some conflicting things inside of her. Like the reason why she she joined the the empire is because uh, her race was always like treated like shit, and the empire was the only ones that actually. Um, I guess use them in a way where they feel honored, and she decided to join the empire because she got she was she she was a slave and. She, I don't know. I guess the Empire saved her from that. So, right. So she sees it as like a, like a, a good as more than an evil. Yeah, something like that. And I thought that was pretty interesting because there's one thing I don't like about the movies uh, that they make that the Empire is like totally evil. But when you read the comic books or I guess novels, you don't see that, or the video games, you don't see that they're totally evil. They're just I don't know how to describe it, a, but well, they're 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 a it's like any kind of huge empire that um, is led by an evil person. the The message may be evil, but there's still a lot of good things happening for the people under that rule. That that you can see why they fall behind it because it benefits them from a previous bad life. It, yeah, but they, and they don't and they don't have any empathy for the people that are now being uh, murdered and killed. There's, but even then, you don't know because some people just don't like that. But they're still in that world that they have to live with. Mm-hmm. It's a better life than than otherwise. But you don't they don't know that either. Um, you know, like the the empire originally is is a um, is an uh, what do you call it? Uh, metaphor for the, the Nazi regime and it's um, and it's the same thing like as much as we see Nazis as this evil thing which it mostly was mm-hmm. there's plenty of people in, in who lived under that regime that saw the good in it even though it was crazy to think that or didn't because they didn't know about the horrible things they just knew about the good things for them yeah better than before and then there's the whole pride thing and it's, it's a lot of things it's a complicated issue it is a complicated issue. I've heard about things about it, and yeah, and it's interesting. It's it's just it's just the movies are just like that. It's kind of simplified, you know, the the conflict by not because there's no reason really to show all these like good people that are also the empire or the people that you think of as villains are just purely evil, you know. Yeah, Vader is one of the most conflicted characters in the entire series. Um. And it's interesting when you go into that world because he's not just this evil badass. He's he's a former good guy who just who sees that going just the pure Jedi way is not the way, and 
Well, Palpatine did lie to him, saying that, uh... Oh, yeah, there's a lot of lies, of course, yeah. But he's conflicted throughout, because he, he believes in the Empire's message and Palpatine's message, but he doesn't, because, like, there's things that he doesn't agree with. It just, it's just, it's a whole thing. Yeah, and I noticed uh, Kylo Ren is also conflicted with himself, like Darth Vader, in this in yeah. Last Jedi. Well, that's what I thought was, that was interesting with Kylo. There's a lot of really interesting things with how he's conflicted. I found, especially because of the big reveal near the end. Yeah, it's just you know? I liked what they did with um, Kylo Ren because um, yeah, it's like there's like a dark, um, I mean not dark, I mean like this. I mean, Luke Skywalker and was yeah, Luke Skywalker was afraid of his um power, like he saw um he saw a very strong power in him, and they did show that in the movie, which is pretty interesting. I mean, yeah. I didn't expect him to kill Sno- Snook like that. That was really unexpected. Yeah, that was really good, and it was really it was actually like that was a really cool moment for me. And it was also like uh, I, I read a comment that showed that. A lot of the character arts for people, or character moments, big character moments, are based off of a person, a character's failures. Mm-hmm. And that was a big thing with Snoke too, is that like he was so focused, he was focused on the wrong aspects of Kylo's ability and thought that process and point kill Ray because he probably wanted to kill Ray, but he actually wanted to kill Snoke because it, when you see the connection between Ray and, and Kylo, Kylo basically says that like he just he's, he's, he thinks it all should burn. It's all meaningless. I don't know if like it's a. This, this is what I remember. Like he, he sees it all as a bad thing, and that we need to start from scratch. I don't know if that's a nihilistic view, a anarchist view, whatever. <coughs> but he wants to rebuild from scratch. And there's another and destroying the new order. There's well, another interesting thing I noticed that. Ray and Kylo Ren had like a brother sister relationship growing in there until he messes it up. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, some people see it as a brother sister relationship, some people are seeing it as like a, uh, uh, a, a romantic thing. Oh, I saw the because the thing is, I know that this story, these new Star Wars movies are somewhat based on the Dark Horse um, comic books where, uh, where um they just changed how um it's like Luke Skywalker and uh yeah is is Ben Skywalker and he had a daughter that I mean Ben is becomes goes to the dark side where um I forgot what the daughter's name is it's not Ray but um Luke Skywalker's daughter goes to the light side and she has to fight her own brother. And I think they're borrowing some of that into the new movies. Alright, I can believe that. That makes sense. So I'm not, they're, I'm not, they're not brothers and sisters here, I think, but they're, I think they're using their brother-sister relationship and from the comic books to the movies hmm, to some okay. extent. So, um, yeah, that's what I saw. That's what, I don't know. I didn't see romantic relationship. I wasn't sure about romantic, but there's, it was more like a like a energy that was very familiar as a romantic or sexual energy, but that could have just been my own stupid brain. Uh, or, <laughs> I, I well, you didn't know about that information, so it's okay, I think. It's true. I mean, it, 
just how I perceive it, but that's just how they build it in my head. But um, it, it, it is interesting. I, I like the three, the relationship between the three characters. To me, it's this, oh, the, the Last Jedi is a story between Luke and Kylo or Ben, you know, Ben... Uh, Solo, he has been solo. It's just in the Ray is kind of the middleman. It's just weird in dark in the Dark Horse comic books. It's Ben is actually Skywalker's son in the comic books, but then in here they change it that it's Han Solo's right. son. Yeah, it makes sense how they wanted to go with it, but I mean I don't know. It could have been so many things. Um, but um, either way, I, I I think ultimately it's a story between Luke and Ben. Ray is a middleman, and I like that story line a lot. Um, it's it's it builds up nicely, especially up leading when it leads how it leads into the ultimate fight when Luke and Kylo face off, especially because of how badass Luke comes across and how Ben is tricked by. Uh, by Luke so easily because of his anger towards Luke and what Luke almost did to him and how he sees it. Because as we see from Luke's storytelling, like you know, Luke's the whole story is that Ben was Luke was going to kill Ben because he saw this very great power that he couldn't, he didn't want to unleash onto the world, but he didn't do it. But Ben didn't see that him, he him stop and he saw him with a lightsaber and stand about to kill him and I'll try to kill him back. Yeah. He said it's a fight against them, and then it starts his whole journey to the dark side. Yeah. He into the dark side from that. And, um. And, and he's angry at Luke, and then it builds them to Luke tricking him in a great. Yeah, that was a great way to trick him, and, uh. And uh, I do like the ratio between Luke and Ben. I wish we could see more. I didn't want Luke Skywalker to get killed off. I kind of want it. <laughs> I kind of wanted to see more of their relationship. Yeah. I mean, they could still bring bring them back, um, you know, as a force ghost or something. We'll see how it goes. It, 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 <clears throat> a lot of my, a couple of my friends have said the the uh, Last Jedi opens up a, a lot of neat story possibilities that, that aren't limiting itself. Too much yeah to I feel like it has more plot points that we can build up from especially because now um instead of Snoke being the the puppet master villain much like Palpatine was in the original trilogy we have Kylo Ren as the main villain in the, going into the third movie of this trilogy yeah there's a lot of things uh, I didn't expect in this movie which was happening yeah. a lot like a lot of twists and turns <laughs> it's like it just kept exciting me like what the hell is going on yeah, there's so many moments where i'm just thinking it's going to go one way or the other i'm expecting one character to become a bad person and another character to become a good person a good person bad person i'm expecting so many double crosses and they don't happen and it happened in a way i did not think it could i mean i kind of thought that ultimately kylo was just going to be the bad guy one way or the other but i didn't think he was going to kill snoke i didn't think he was going to yeah that First order. Yeah, that fighting scene with him and Ray was just awesome. Oh yeah. 
it showed him, and it showed how competent a fighter he actually is. Because in the fourth weekend, it shows him not being a competent fighter, which is kind of annoying. Yeah, and they did a better fight here. <laughs> yeah, and that was, uh, I get why they did it in the fourth weekend, but I feel like they could have shown more opportunities of how he's a competent fighter, a competent leader, and a competent, like, just general, you know, yeah. to be reckoned with. But they don't show that, and they, they went with more showing that he's, like, weaker than you think because he's trying to be something he's not. And that, as, as much as that's it's an interesting character creation, it still lessens his impact. Mm-hmm. Why he's so regarded by everyone underneath him. And, um, are you surprised they didn't find a way to kill off, um, for instance, I mean, General Leia? Yeah, I was surprised because there were several points where I thought she was going to die. And I feel like yeah, they kept doing that. Like, we thought she was going to die in space, and she didn't die there. We thought she was going to die in a coma, but she didn't die there either. So yeah, it's I like... Yeah, like she was going to die. Like, I feel like they could have just let her die in a coma. Yeah, they could have done that, but now they didn't. It's... I mean, I've read articles where they said Ryan Johnson didn't want to temper with the movie. He just let, wants to leave it alone. And, uh, yeah, but now they're going to do a thing in the third movie where it's going to be like, oh, she's, been, she's dead. Yeah, they're going to have to do something in the third movie. Because I, I did read that Kathleen Kennedy said that she... Uh-huh. That, Leia, that Leia's not going to be in the third movie. So it's like... They had a plan that she was going to be in there when the movie was going to be focused on her, but now that thing is untangled because they don't <laughs> they don't know what to do because Carrie Fisher passed away. They don't know what yeah. to... Now they have to scrap that whole thing and think of something else. Yeah. It's one of those things where um, this, this trilogy movies has a lot of problems with it because of... Like so many unexpected things and also just expected things that they didn't you know think about um, planning for mm-hmm. I get not wanting to tamper too much with Leia's arc in it but I feel like she could have done better this way I can get it because like one the her first almost death made sense but at the same time they wanted to show that like, she's more capable than just dying like that and they didn't want to kill her in a coma because they could have easily just killed her in a coma because they just edited it and reshoot the rest of the movie so it's different slightly but they probably it was probably too expensive and also like killing her off in a coma is kind of like a shit move to do in a way but they could have and especially without reshooting her because anything they could have done to kill her in a coma story-wise it makes sense for what they want to how they want to portray Leia and pay respect to her would still require reshoots yeah, that's why they didn't want to do that. Anything to reach, they can't reshoot anything any, at that point. So they kind of have to stick to it and deal with it in the third movie, however they have to deal with it. Um, I'm yeah. very curious where that's going to go. Um, but, that's another, but all I will say, another character underutilized in The Last Jedi was Leia. I felt like she was kind of just there. Yeah, I noticed that and too. She but... should have died because it made more sense for her to sacrifice herself on the ship to me it made more sense that she could have just died at some point because this and that it just it just she could have she she was just there because you know she was there to dress down Poe mm-hmm. and 
that's it. And then she comes back, and then all is good. And she's the one that's like, I had a plan all along. I'm smarter than all of you. Deal with it. And I, I like that, because that, that's a cool aspect of her character, is that she's always smarter than everyone else thinks. She has the same time to just... And I, I noticed... I did like the space part because it shows how powerful she is with the Force, but just she just didn't become a Jedi. She didn't want to become a Jedi. She just wanted to, I guess, help the people. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's true. It shows like she had more power than they ever thought she did, really. Mm-hmm. Cool. It just and I did like that she has uh, her leadership skills in the movie, but they didn't show too much of it. They show a little bit of yeah. it. She's, she's better utilized in the first movie, even though that's not the one where she's not in it a lot. But yeah. You see what she means a lot more. Because she's the one saying the inspirational speeches. She's the one being a, being in front of everyone, telling them, like, this is what we need to do. In the second one, she's in a coma, so other people are using her words, like, uh, what's her name? Um, played by Laura Dern. She's, she's, um, she's, like, kind of like a surrogate for Leia, and I feel like. She's awkward in the role because it's not Leia. She doesn't have the same gravity props that Leia has because she's not Leia. Yeah, you know? what you mean? And it, it, it just felt like so many ways they could have just killed Leia off. And it would have <laughs> probably been a better. Yeah, thing. and I um, did you like what they did with Poe in this movie, Poe Dameron? I did. I did. He got a lot more to do. He got a lot more character development. Yeah, he actually had a character development, which was interesting. Yeah. Cause you get to see who he is, the best and worst qualities of him. That's what a friend actually pointed out to me is that like see, he notices more is that you kind of see like you know he's he's a very capable, smart leader. Like yeah, so but he just always he- rushes in and just do what he wants. As yeah, he rushes in, he's headstrong. He's he's, you know, he's just as flawed as everyone else, and but it, in a way that can be really destructive, self-destructive, and, and overall destructive for the rebellion. And I like that because in the first movie he's just like badass fighter pilot, and then he disappears for most of the movie and comes back and he's a badass fighter pilot again. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you read the comic books, but I've been reading them, and I see the same personality in the comic books. And I mean, and in the movie, they have the same personality, and I was kind of excited seeing that. No, I, I, I was really excited. It's good the comic books. That's another one I forgot to mention. I didn't mention it until now, <laughs> but I do like yeah. the whole Don Ron series. It's really good. I do want to read that. I like Charles Soule's work a lot, and um, I've only read just Lando and uh, and and Chewbacca. Oh wow! I read those two. They were those are good, but yeah. there's a lot those more. And I should read more. Is that I, I was just I was on, and when I first started reading comics, I was too, we're taking on too many titles. And I know what you mean. It could be expensive. Yeah. So I don't blame you. Like getting into the Star Wars stuff, I was like, you know what? That's too much. I need. I, I I'll, I'll wait for these. <laughs> I'm in that book right now, so I'll, I'll probably go back and buy all the things for him, all the Star Wars current Star Wars comics because I'm more intrigued now. All right, before. that's good. That's a good thing. Yeah, Poe Dameron is in the type of title in particular. Also, the Doctor Afro series because a lot of people say that's a really good book. Yeah, it's a really good book. I want her. I want to see her in the movies eventually. Yeah, we'll see. That'll be interesting. I'm, I'm curious about that myself because. Um, 
she's becoming a quite the, the fan favorite, and her and her evil Wookie, whatever that is. Uh, any his name is Corissa Corissaton, something like that. I think I don't know how to pronounce his name. It's one of those weird right. Star Wars names that is difficult to pronounce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a weird name. There's a lot of moments in the movie where I'm just like, what did they say? Yeah, and I noticed a lot of people have problems with the humor in this one, but I liked it. I enjoyed it because if people felt like it was, people said that was forced, but I don't think so. I actually liked it. It's subtle humor to me. Was the only humor, but humor I didn't really like that much was the. The General Hux and Kodamaran on the speaker thing. Oh, like, that one was kind of weird. <laughs> that's not worse because that's a joke that you use in modern times because we have speakerphones and answer machines, and it's just—I mean, I can see that they can do the same joke in that world, but it just—it doesn't feel Star Warsy. And I did. I it, it brings you back to our society instead of theirs. Oh. But it also did like the porgs, the the birds thing, and uh, oh, I love the porgs. My girlfriend and I love porgs. <laughs> um, it's just the the, the yeah. scene with Chewbacca just hits them because he's trying to like drive drive the plane, or this was the the scene where um huh the puppetry of it that worked like in the, which scene were you talking about? I was thinking about the, the 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 scene where Chewbacca was eating one of the porks and the the other porks are crying like. Yeah, that was hilarious. That was so adorable <laughs> and sad in so many ways. My girlfriend looked at me because she loves cute animals. And she's been in love with the porks. They first showed up in the, that one trailer because she loves cute things like that. Mm-hmm. Especially because we own guinea pigs and they're like a guinea pig with wings. It's how they look like. That's what it does look like to me. I didn't think of that. I it just thought like, it was birds. Like guinea pigs are birds. And we have guinea pigs. And she's had guinea pigs for years. And she loves those things. And it's just, it's so cute. And the puppetry of it all worked well when they had live action ones. Like, yeah. In the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon. And there's several around Chewie. Yeah, that's what, I like that part. It, it reminds me of like, stuff from like Labyrinth. And stuff when there's random like small creatures everywhere that are just kind of shaking and screaming mm-hmm. or whatever it is. It just reminds me of like classic Jim Henson puppetry, and I loved it. I just hope I see them again in the next Star Wars movie, just for humor. I think, I think <laughs> just for the humor. Be in the next one, as like Chewie's <laughs> I will say, my my friends have said this a lot. Like my one friend Sean in particular has said that like um, the the new Star Wars movies have given. Um, Chewie a lot more character than they had in ever before. Which yeah, I've noticed that. I'm actually wearing a Chewie shirt now, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I really do like what they did with Chewbacca in the movie. Yeah, and they did a lot more. He's funny, he's not just like a mindless Wookiee because like in, I feel like in the original trilogy he's just kind of brute force with some humor between him and Han. But now that Han's gone, he's his own person, and you kind of get to see how he's kind of... It plays off of the the, 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 the miniseries with Chewbacca, where he's mm. kind of just... When he's by himself, he just likes to be left alone and does, does his thing, and reluctantly joins in or whatever, because he, he has a sense of good 
and he wants to help. It just, if, but if he doesn't have to, he'd rather just kind of hang out and be alone and do his live his life. And I like that about him in the new series. Yeah, he's actually the, he gets to be his own man. Yeah, I like and, that. And I, I think I read on, on Reddit or maybe one of my friends said it, but like when you look at how he pilots the Falcon, he might have been better than Han this whole time at flying the Falcon. It just you know it's Han ships, so Han keeps it. You know, but I mean the Falcon's flown better than it ever it ever has probably. But that's just you know Chewie's been there the whole time and he's trying to you know. He's trying to uh, uh, pilot it like his best friend, so he's doing a great job of it. And I, I love seeing him with the boards and everything. They're cute. I love all the new creatures. I love the, the priest ladies. Um, he taking care of the island. I love the monster with the the, the boobs. That yeah, I thought that was weird. As like the nif- the <laughs> and Luke Skywalker just gets the milk from there and it's just like yeah, he makes that weird face when he drinks. Like yeah. I drank that. I, I like that. Um, I like the way he fished. That was weird, but I liked it. And I did like uh, when when Ray knocked the rock down to those. I guess they not they was carrying a. I think it had a carriage, but. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. When she when she slices the, the the one rock with the lightsaber. And yeah, and it falls off. Because yeah, <laughs> I was thinking, now they really hate her. Because remember, she said that. They yeah. didn't like her very much, and yeah. it's like, they oh, they do now. <laughs> it was, it, I love the lot of creatures, but that's what I like about Star Wars. I like the world. Of, I like the new creatures. I don't care if they make sense to what to to reality. I don't care if it makes sense to what you think uh, Star Wars universe creatures should look like. I think. Well, it's his own universe. It's not. It's it's a. I guess it could parallel our world, but not exactly 100%. Yeah, I love the Diamond Dogs, or I, I, I like to call them the Bowies, because the David Bowie album Diamond Dogs, and that's what people call them the Sand Dogs. But I like, I like the Bowies a lot, those are cool. What, the Crystal Dogs that were in the end? or? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Those were, those were really beautiful creatures. I mean, they yeah, they looked nice. Other than looking pretty. Um, and like kind of showing like oh I can hear them oh they went this way yeah that sort of thing that was its own thing but outside of that they're not really useful but they were really cool looking Um, but I love that with creature designers I like Force Awakens for the same thing a lot of cool creatures when I was a kid I loved the things like Watto and those weird uh, like uh, people at the beginning of, of of Phantom Menace that they have to meet with those ambassadors or whatever. The yeah. Faces. I like that. I like all that stuff. Okay. My, my, my shit when it comes to Star Wars stuff is always production design. Like the characters, the costumes, the, the way the world looks, the speeders, the vehicles. I love all that stuff. Those are my, that's my favorite part. Of all Star Wars. Yeah. Maybe when uh, maybe Marvel will look something like that eventually too when they go more cosmic. Yeah, that would be cool too. I would like more unique stuff. That's that's what I loved about um, Ragnarok actually was just uh, the world of what was it? Sakar. Yeah, Sakar. Sakar looked awesome. I love the production design of that. The colors and everything. It was very Jack Kirby and stuff and uh, it had some like even Steve Disco elements to it and I love that 
Love that stuff. I don't know what you what mean. Creatures, I want more creatures. I want more weird looking things. <laughs> Walking around. Yeah. I want, I want, I love weird looking creatures in movies. I'm a big fan of creature design. Yeah, um, I noticed this is not like a movie or anything, but I know Avatar and Legend of Korra have that too. I don't know if you heard of those cartoons. Have you seen? Well, I've heard of them. I've, I've they have a lot of weird looking animal creatures, and it's interesting seeing those carts in those cartoons. But yeah. Um, I know I want to, I, I have been to watch them eventually. Yeah, you should check them out someday. Um, so, you want to head to the comic books right now? Sure, sure. Um, I mean, I know this was also kind of a slow week for both of us in a lot of ways. I mean, you have, so we're going to go into comic books now? Yeah, the comic books. You have a lot more um, to talk about than I do because you read some more, like, a lot bigger stuff than I did this week. Um, I read uh, Batman Annual number two. And um, I thought I did enjoy that a lot. I mean, I saw. Uh, I mean, I read that. Uh, I like the relationship between Catwoman and Batman a lot in there. It was yeah. pretty well detailed there. Yeah, I liked it because it was um, because you're currently in the arc where they're in that middle of their kind of engagement sort of thing where they're coming together, bridging their worlds together. But I don't, the annual shows their first meeting. Yeah, when they first met, but it looked like it didn't feel like it was in in their new fifty two. It felt like it was something off story. It was kind of weird. Well, I mean, it's kind of how it goes because this whole rebirth thing has become this more than just the new fifty two because they've kind of done away with that. Yeah, I noticed they're mixing, they're mixing the pre fifty two with the new fifty two, and it gets it gets a little confusing at times, but. I mean, that's comic books for you. I did enjoy the Batman Annual number two. Yeah, it's pretty good. That was great. I love that book. The the, the artwork by Lee Weeks. Um, yeah, the artwork was good, too. So. I forget the second half, but I like the artwork in that. And, uh... It was a really fun issue. I did like it. Um, yeah. I also read uh, Moonlight number 189. The second okay. Moonlight's... The second issue by Matt and Jason Yeah, that one's pretty interesting. Um, I did. They did. Moonlight was actually in this issue, which I did like. Mm-hmm. And um, I think actually forgetting what happened there. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it was like he's coming across this like villain with a certain power to influence people with like kind of nihilism, I guess, and and uh, and then it was I was more focused on like Moon Knight and um, the new Raw character yeah I saw some Raw in there it was pretty interesting it was really cool yeah um, it was, it, I feel like it was more of a book to kind of keep it going but I, I'm excited to see where it goes because it's just interesting new character and I'm enjoying the artwork quite a bit and is they have been a, there's like a been a a refresher where um, Moon Knight's been up to, like he's been using the Stephen Grant personality a bit more now. Mm-hmm. He's become a celebrity, which I thought that was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. And he switches his personality, like like when he's Moon Knight, he's Mark Spector. Mm-hmm. 
I thought that was any pretty interesting that he's actually using all his personalities. But there's only one he's not using. He does is that taxi driver one. I forgot. Yeah, the, like the very violent one. Yeah, he said that he's they're like he's afraid to touch that personality again. I noticed. I thought that was pretty interesting. I did like that. Yeah. I like so, a lot of it. I, 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 I'm, it's it's a series that I'm, I'm enjoying a lot, and I'm excited to see where it goes. I, do, I still don't know a lot about the Moon Knight character, and I need to read more. I've only really read the Warren Ellis series. Oh. And I've read a few issues of the Jeff Lemire one. Well, I started reading Moon Knight when Brian Michael Bendis was writing it. That's when I, that's the first series I wrote. I mean, read of um of Moon Knight. It was all, it was good. I just didn't like that he was seeing Wolverine, Captain America, and Spider Man. That that was kind of weird. Right, right. I I I heard that uh, Moon Knight's one of those characters like Daredevil where he's he's rarely had a bad series because he's, a, he's one where a lot of up-and-comers they give him that character to play around with because there's a lot of to play around with the, for them I mean, to deal with too much other stuff yeah and um they also did like um Old Man Logan number 31 it was pretty interesting is with him um he goes to see um Silver Samurai's son there's like a gang war going on there and uh he deals he fights with them and um so there's suddenly a new um it's called scarlet samurai and she teases okay. she comes up at the end so i don't know much about her so i guess we'll see what happens with, with that in the next issue yeah it's all like the cover for the next one i think that involves um involves that yeah she's I don't know who it is either. They didn't. They didn't reveal it. They just show her like killing the Silver Samurai's son. I mean, I, I forgot what's his name, but he's a new. He's a he's a, he's been Silver Samurai for quite a while because they killed the original one. So he's took on the. He took over the mantle. He's been having the mantle for like I think like two like uh, a year and a half or almost. I don't know how long, but. He's been having the mantle for a while, and Scarlet, um, Scarlet Samurai just killed her, killed him. And so okay. it's just kind of interesting how that happened at the end. So I mean, I'm wondering who that character is. I guess you'll find okay. out in the next yeah. issue. And um, I also did like uh, Spider Gwen number twenty six, and. Mm-hmm. It's pretty interesting. I mean, this is. I think this is my favorite one because um, you see Gwen with the Venom symbiote, and it's like very, very. Oh, conf- Gwen, am I still recovered for that? Yeah, because she's doing dealing with some conflict issues because she's mad that Matt Murdock, Matt Murdock is a is kingpin in in her universe, and um, he's he kind of um. He put her father in jail, and um, okay. he got beat up in jail, and so now he's in the hospital. And Spider Gwen got the Venom symbiote, and she's been wanting revenge, but she's also been hesitant because she doesn't like to kill, and she's been fighting with the symbiote, and it's kind of interesting seeing that. She's conflicting with herself, and I like seeing that in the character. 
And um, I also see that um, everybody that knows um, Spider Woman, and they figuring that they're figuring out that some of the people are that are that are close to Gwen are figuring out that she's Spider Woman because they. They, they, she's been missing. She hasn't been Gwen Stacy for quite a while since she was Ven- the Venom symbiote. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to find her, and they see that Spider Gwen looks different, and she has a Venom symbiote. So they're thinking, they're putting the two, two together, like her friends, the rock band, her, the Mary Janes. They're figuring it out, and Uncle Ben and and Aunt May are figuring it out too. They just they're both trying to look for Gwen Stacy, and they're thinking that she's Spider Woman. She never told them, but they say, "Hey, she's missing," and Sp- Spider Woman's acting weird. She has a Venom symbiote. She's not being herself, so they think that that's her. And it's kind of interesting that they're figuring that out by themselves. And it's like you know, it's. It's it's different. I mean, like usually superheroes usually usually tell the identities to people they're close to, and here they're actually figuring it out themselves. They're not having Gwen tell them that she's Spider Woman. So it's pretty interesting. Just I really like this issue. It's it's pretty interesting, and I'm hoping to see what happens next. And um. I also read uh, what is it? Doctor Strange, number three hundred. You're telling me about that. That was interesting. Number three hundred and eight eighty-two, I think. And I thought it was alright. I didn't like it too much, but I'm interested in what they have with um. It's a spoiler. No one read it, but um, it's Century, and uh, I'm interested. I'm interested in what they're going to do with Sentry and uh, apparently Doctor Strange cured him from the Age of Apocalypse and the Void and Personality so it's just it's just kind of weird how they did that and um, I'm just interested in what they're going to do with him next because he's he's using it he's calling Sentry to I don't know Stop Loki from being the Sorcerer Supreme, because some reason Loki's Sorcerer Supreme now, and he's doing things that Doctor Strange doesn't like. So um, they don't explain how Loki got the Sorcerer Supreme title, which that's what bothers me about the series. They don't, they haven't explained it yet. So I'll see what happens as the issues go on, and um. What is it, Jean Grey? I read also read uh, Jean Grey number 10. Yeah. yeah and, I, well. I mean, I told you about the initial spoiler, I think. Yeah, it's We're not a spoiler. <laughs> I just didn't... I just didn't know that uh, Jean Grey was going to die like that. That shocked me. The young Jean Grey. And yeah, I was very surprised. <laughs> I'm just kind of confused because X-Men Blue is, is at a certain... At a different story point, I don't know if the, that story takes place after or before. And yeah, we're gonna see it. Guys. It's one of those weird uh, kind of things with continuity that a lot of the comics when you have one character 
showing up in multiple titles happens, you know. I'm curious for that. Yeah, because yeah, um, in X-Men Blue, she's, um, she's with the young X-Men, and I mean, like, what is it, Archangel, Cyclops, Beast, and Iceman, and they travel through time, because Magneto told them that he's been having his time machine to take them back to the original timeline and they were going to do it and it took them to the wrong timeline it took them to the X in 2099 and I don't know what's that going to lead to I mean I, I don't know if they're going to go back to the original timeline yeah it's, it's not interesting like little things like that but, uh, I'm not too familiar with what's going on anyway but when I read that I was Intrigued by what the future of all the X Men titles and uh, Young Jean Grey are going to do. Yeah, I was really surprised. And the thing is, uh, like, it says in the end of the um, Jean Grey issue, in the end, it says, like, it says coming next is um, Phoenix Resurrection 1 through 5, and then the finale of Jean Grey number 11. Yeah, so I'm like, so I guess I had to read the first five issues of Phoenix Resurrection and then read um, the last issue of Jean Grey to find the whole story. And I don't know, but I'm kind of confused. Cause I read the solicits for um, for January, the last issue of Jean Grey, and it kind of describes the issue I just read. And it doesn't make any sense, but... Mm-hmm. I think it's one of those things they kind of try to like hide whatever's going to happen. They just kind Yeah, I think they just described the previous issue, which is kind of weird. Yeah. It happened. I've seen it happen every once in a while. Oh, okay. So yeah, that's pretty much it. Is there? I don't know what they're gonna do with that, and. I'm just surprised they actually killed the young Jean Grey. I don't know. She. I'm thinking that she fused with the Phoenix Force, but I don't know. It's just... Yeah, that's what I thought when I saw the panel. I just felt like that's what they're going for, but I'm not sure because they're really selling it as she's dead. So I guess we'll see. Um, <laughs> it's, it's just one of those things where I'm just like, I don't know what's happening. I mean, it, like it, for me, especially because I'm not currently reading any of those titles, um, I don't know what's going on. Uh, outside of that, it's especially surprising. Yeah, I'll I'll just keep reading and see what happens. Yeah. And is there so that's pretty much it for me. Is there anything for you? Um, I mean, I read a couple of the same things you did, like the Batman Annual and whatnot. Um, this today I was reading up pretty much my previous week's stuff. Um, I read the new Mister Miracle, which was excellent. Um, that's between it, this issue and the last issue are my, are my two favorites of the series so far. Um, this one it goes into the relationship between um, Scott Free and Big Barda. It was really nice, and, and their work and panel work was really good. I, I loved um, their dynamic and how they explore it um, from their his, original history and in the context of whatever this story that's unfolding is happening. Because it's there's a lot of interesting little things where they're both on very different wavelengths it felt. So I'm curious to see where that goes. I read the last issue of the miniseries Bug, The Adventures of Forager from Young Animal. Um, 
by the Allreds, which is really good. Um, I'm still confused by it because... I didn't like that series. I tried it, and it's, like, so confusing for me. I don't know. It's really out of all over the place, but it's, it's, it, to me, it, I like it because it's hard to go back to old comics, especially the original and, uh, New Gods Fourth World stuff by Jeff Kirby, which I just bought the omnibus for, and I was looking to it through it. I think a lot of the same kind of stuff. It's very, it's very heavy, and I do need to reread it. Uh, what, you bought the New right. Gods omnibus or something? The fourth world one, the big, huge. Oh, it actually came out because I remember in the, the comic books club I go to, they were talking about that because. Yeah, it came out last week, and I got that, and it's beautiful. And I haven't even checked it out. Let's we'll see what what it is. Yeah. Uh, what else did I read? I, I you know what a, a good number one that I like this week um, from Boom Studios uh, writer Matt Loveness. I forget the artist's name, but he was, he pulled it out of the park in this good. His first issue of a, a series called Judas um, by Matt Loveness. Um, that was really good. I was very surprised, but I'm I'm I'm, uh, I'm always interested in taking uh, biblical characters and expanding upon them and um, making more out of what little we know about them and uh, giving them more motivation and story than previously was used before. This one in particular, because it's, it's kind of the redemption of, like, not the redemption, it's, it's, it's that concept of, if you know the character Judas Iscariot and how he's, like, a, one of the apostles, but, like... Yeah, I know who he is. I've yeah, read about Judas. Jesus. Yeah. But when you think about that concept, he's the one that, from the very beginning, Jesus knew was going to betray him. Oh. Kind of fucked up, but you fall around with someone and you know he's gonna he's gonna betray you and he's supposed to fill this uh in your story that you know um uh, sends him straight to the depths of hell um for his sin and you know he will always be seen by everyone else who reads this story as the one of the huge villains but he was your friend and apostle and you knew this from the beginning mm-hmm. he did not and it, it deals with that kind of struggle inner struggle with Judas as he reaches hell and what he what this means for him moving forward in hell and it was a really well done first issue uh, the artwork's really good um, akin to kind of like old um, uh, like uh, old what do you call it kind of stone cut um, from old uh, what do you call it middle ages and stuff like that it's, it's really really good stuff I love the artwork. The story was a good start to um, an interesting character arc for this character, and um, I, just, I, I highly recommend it. I, I think I'm going to try to follow it month to month, um, but we'll see because of my budget, but I would like to if I can. Um, I already like the writer's previous work on Nova, which he did the most recent Nova series, which I loved as well. So um, That's definitely like my recommendation of the week. Okay. Um, is there anything else? Um, I also uh, really enjoyed. Uh, I mean, I'm, 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 I read Harold County this week. I really like that. Um, it's one of my favorites every week. Um, I also love love the uh, Kid Lobotomy. really good right now. If you haven't read that yet, from uh, IDW. Uh, Was it? Peter Milligan. Kid Lobotomy, is it? Yeah, Kid Lobotomy. It's. Uh, oh no, I never read that. No. Uh, IDW is has been uh, working with I think her name is Shelley Bond who is a fairly well known editor of comics and mm-hmm. um, and um, 
I think she was. She used to work for Vertigo. I'm pretty sure she was like a famous from working in, in Vertigo. Um, but it's her kind of new, sort of like Young Animals to DC. It's kind of their own thing with um, IDW called Black, the Black Crown uh, series. I've heard of that. The first of that. I haven't yeah, read it yet, um, though. The, the Black Crown Quarterly was actually a really good uh, read. It's, it's kind of like a magazine with little mini comic stories and articles about um, the writers who are writing these books. But Kid Lobotomy is by Peter Milligan, and he's he's a he's one of the um, uh, the famous writers, along with Grant Morrison, Alan Moore, uh, Neil Gaiman, and others who were part of that group of people that started the English like the English invasion in comic books in the early 90s. Oh, that's what... I didn't know that. He's, he's in that same realm with everyone else, he, but he's not as well-known compared to everyone else, but he wrote a lot of stuff that is well-regarded, along with Steve Dillon. Um, but he, he, like I said, he's a bit more forgotten, but he did Shade the Changing Man, he did, uh, he did some stuff on Animal Man, I think, uh, some other characters I can't remember right now. Um, but he, he did a lot of like his own stuff um, that really out there in punk rock, and it's very punk rock mm. and Kid Lobotomy is just it, it's a weird um, um, kind of story about a guy who's the, like the lead singer of a famous punk band who ends up inheriting this hotel of madness um, from his family and his he his sister he has a, a weird relationship with his sister that's pretty incestuous and where one of his friends slash employees is a shapeshifter who he has a relationship with, but he wants her to take the form of his sister a lot of the time because to and everything. But it, it has elements of Kafka and um, and and other things like that. It's, it's really weird story. Great artwork. Um, I, I I'm enjoying it. I'm um, I probably will like it better when I read it as a full series, but it's. it's when I'm really enjoying it. All right. Um, yeah. Is there anything else? <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, another number one I think I kind of liked was Grave Trances from Black Mass Studios. Um, that's a bit of a horror story. It's kind of like House of a Thousand Corpses and it's just as messed up as that. Uh, and bleak. And hopeless in a lot of ways. I liked it. But um, I, I can't read things like or watch things like that too much no. <laughs> um, because if, if it's as bleak as that where you don't think any of the main characters are going to get out of this and you feel bad for everyone that involved um, I kind of I kind of had to take a breather from it I read it and I was like shocked by the whole thing it's very no. gritty and, and gross but it's in a way that I'm a fan of because I'm a horror fan overall I just that one I, I, I need to a moment to process and stay away from for a little bit. Oh. <laughs> okay. Um. But I do recommend it if you do like, you know, like a really fucked up um, kind of stuff like that. Uh, I've got to read more indie series. I haven't, I don't read that much. I mean. I read a lot of indie stuff. Um, I, I, I like checking out the Black, the Black Mask number one because they, um, they tend to pick up really interesting stories. Um, like forward kid walk into a bank I just bought the trade uh, collected edition of that that's really good if you can pick that up read it it's hilarious and so well written it's it's so funny it's so impactful and emotional I love that book 
But uh, Black Mask is one to check out. All right. Is that it? Uh, that's all I've read so far. I, I have two more on my to read block right now. Um, the Wicked and Divine Christmas special and the newest issue of Royal City. But I'm saving those for after the podcast. Okay. It's all right. You don't have to read it. <laughs> we, can, we can wait for next week because there's books that I did read, but I have to like read. I have to gather my thoughts about it and then I have to read it. I'll talk about it next week. Yeah. Oh yeah. I can do that with those ones and whatever. I don't remember what I read. So I'm getting it tomorrow. But so yeah. Um. So all right, guys. I'm gonna end the podcast here and. I hope you guys enjoy the show, and I guess we'll talk to you next pod, next podcast. Yeah, see you next time. All right, bye. bye.